Did you miss church services when, when COVID hit? Did, did you find yourself in um, 2020 um, wishing you could be back at your local church? Now, for me, it was a weird season, so I can't even answer this question for myself because at that same time, I was um, at home uh, beating cancer. So I was doing radiation and chemo and, you know, I just wasn't able to go. Even if COVID had not hit, I wouldn't have been able to go. But I do remember um, during that time, especially as I started getting healed up and stuff and churches where we're beginning to regather some, you know, never quit. But in our state, the home state of Georgia, where I live, uh, there was a time where we were not allowed to gather. Um, a lot of things to be said about that, but not, that's not for today's podcast. But do you, did you, were you one of the people that said, man, I can't wait to get back to church. I miss my church family. I, I miss worshiping with my church family. I miss praying with my church family. I miss the children. I miss serving. I miss teaching or, you know, whatever, just miss gathering. Um, a lot of people said that, you know, I think COVID was um, a great um, opportunity for all of us to consider what do we think about church? And, you know, during that time, a lot of churches, I think, um, when they started coming back, hit a reset. Like, okay, we've learned that some things are important and some things are simply not important. And when we come back, let's be better and let's do better. And so I think that was a very positive um, response uh, to COVID is that, like it, it, it kind of helped us see what's crucial, what's not crucial, what is central, what's not central, what we should do better and what maybe we ought to just not do anymore. And, um, I do know this, uh, if, if I'm going to be honest, a negative out outcome of COVID is, um, you know, then we're going back a couple of years now. It's amazing. That was a couple of years ago. A lot of people just never went back to church. Uh, a lot of people hit, got, they imbibed the spirit of the culture at that time. A lot of division around, should we gather, should we not gather, masks, no masks, and all that stuff. And it actually kind of soured some people on church. And um, it's really sad to me that to think to myself that the concept of the local church um, was questioned, uh, the validity of the concept was questioned because of COVID or during COVID. And again, I want to highlight some churches came back better. Um, some Christians bounced back better, but a lot never bounced back. They never went back. They found the comforts of online viewing, um, you know, the live stream of a church service. And so their, their attitude became, mm, I, I can get my feeding. I can be fed the word and I don't have to get up. I don't have to go. And I'm honoring God because I'm under the preached word and I'm learning and maybe even I feel like I'm growing and, but man, this is awesome. You don't have to go down to a church building. You don't have to go there. I mean, good night. We are the church, right? And wherever two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. So that's the church. So my question for today's podcast is, are, are those sentiments actually valid? Does the concept of the local church in America any longer carry validity? And of course, my answer is going to be yes. Um, nothing's changed because I'm a Bible guy. Now, the objection to my stance where I say, yeah, if you're saved and you're able-bodied, you ought to be a part of a local congregation in your community. I stand by that. That's a conviction that is biblically informed. But the pushback on that is often framed up as, 
Yeah, but the church isn't now what it was in the first century. The church is compromised. The church is a business. The church is not led properly. The church is political. The church is, um, you know, in, in these nine ways, so deeply flawed that it isn't even the church. And then when you throw into that mixture of reasons why people don't go to church, you can add the other issues of, well, I've been church hurt. My pastor did me wrong. My mentor did me wrong. The deacon morally failed. The person that I looked up to imploded or lost their faith, so to speak. And um, then, you know, you've got the minor church wounds that now in our aggravated culture where everything is exaggerated, like you get nicked and it's a, you know, it's a mortal wound. You know, you get a paper cut and you're going to bleed out. That's the way it is with a lot of a lot of people. They're just so. I'm just going to use a, a term that's not off. It's not very affirming, but we've become a snowflake church. We just melt at the first type of heat or conflict or trouble or hurt, and we walk away. And um, so I'm not making light of you know issues of abuse and things like that. But what I'm saying is this: It's like, man, people are looking for a reason to give up on the church. And don't think for a second that that's not part of the agenda of hell against Christians. So I've I've just been considering this off and on for a couple of years, and I haven't really spoken to it because there's other things to talk about it, but or to talk about. But today, I just I want to I want to give you just a couple of things from the Bible um, to to help you think through this. Some components of the concept of the local church. So very quickly, big picture stuff. So Jesus died to redeem individuals that they might become a body, a family, a community, and that will be global and it will span the all of the ages. So all of those who come to Christ by faith, not only come to him individually, but they're, they're forever connected to him individually, them and him, but they're also connected to one another individually. So it's the body of Christ. And so we see the church as the body of Christ. And whereas it is global, big C, the universal church, it is global, but there have always been local expressions of what that is in in cities, villages, communities, towns, and so on and so on. So it's always been that way. And um, there is nothing in scripture that ever indicates that there will be um, a call to revert to a place of you are an individual Christian, you are an island, you are a silo, you are a person who relates to God and does not really have any kind of expectation of connecting to other believers. You just will not be able to support that biblically. In fact, the opposite is uber supported biblically that we are to be a community and that community is not a theory or a philosophy. It's a reality. Like we're supposed to do life together. And so then you have this other aspect in the concept of the church in the local expression of a church, a local assembly, a church with a building in our day, like a place where that local family of believers meet together. They pray together they worship together, they form lasting relationships together, they serve together, they pool their financial resources together to advance the kingdom together, and then they listen to God together in order that they might fulfill 
the expression of his will through that local assembly in the area where they assembled. So local churches are a very, very good thing because it's God's idea, not yours, not mine, not some power broker. It's God's idea. And what's amazing is they, they formed organically after Pentecost. They formed organically because you had 3,000 people saved. Short time later, 5,000 people saved. Then persecution came and the Christians were scattered. And the Christians realized they're, they're of a different breed than the non-Christian. So they lived together, wor- worshiped together, served together, and they did life together. And what sprung up over time were local assemblies that typically met in people's houses. And then a few centuries later, then there become these buildings where people could gather together to meet and on a weekly, regular basis. And so then you have what, what, you know, you've got the oikos, the home, and then you've got temple, which is where, you know, people gather together in one locale to meet. So it, it all happened organically, but it didn't happen also. It wasn't so organic that it didn't have structure and organization. And so you have authority in the church. You have governmental authority in the church, like leadership in the church. Um, you, you have people that are gifted and emerged and equipped by God that were leaders. And so they were given positions of leadership. And then you have roles and gifts that are expressed in servanthood. And so all of these things, like they're so clear in the Bible, and yet we're living in a day that has this hybrid ability. It's part excuse making and part overthinking, overcomplicating God's expression of his body in the, in the current age. And so what we have is we're, we're redefining the concept of the local church, and some people are redefining it to the point where they reject it. In other words, they have seen the flaws so deeply in the church, and nobody is denying that the church is flawed. I would even say greatly flawed. Nobody's denying that. But nowhere in Scripture is the Christian given the option of walking away from local gatherings because they're flawed. And let me tell you why that's true. Because Jesus sees the flaws more deeply than you ever will, and he has still not walked away. He is still present in those local assemblies where two or more are gathered in his name. And Jesus is working to reform, to refine, to sanctify, to build and strengthen his church, to purify. He's working at that. And it's not just, you can't just take the high road supposedly and say, well, that's what he's doing in the big C church. And you don't have to be a part of a little C church to do that. Really? So you believe that you will grow to be more like Jesus on your own, apart from other Christians, than you would grow to be more like him with other Christians. Do you really believe that? And one of the reasons why I don't believe that that's possible is because of a couple of things that are said in the book of Hebrews in um, chapter number 13. And if you're not familiar with the book of Hebrews, it's thick. It's got a lot of theology in it. It's got a lot of metaphor in it. It's got a lot of correction in it, instruction. It's got some very difficult to interpret chapters in it that people, Christians, like to debate over. But when you get to Hebrews chapter 13, um, we have a few words that are local church oriented and they assume something. What do they assume? They assume structure and leadership in the local church. And so let me read to you from from verse 17. I'm just going to pick one, but it's talking about leadership, human leadership in local churches, which people hate in our day. They hate it. Not everybody, but a lot of people hate the concept that there's human authority in the church. 
And I'm like, you, you're resisting what God wrote in the word when you have a spirit of defiance towards human leadership, godly leadership in the church. So Hebrews 13, 17 says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Now, I, I want to go there because this verse is so well balanced. It's so healthy. It's so helpful to us when we're considering the concept of belonging to a local church. There are dozens of layers that we could talk about in a local church, but I don't have time in a 25, 30-minute podcast to do that. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight one of them. So Hebrews 13 assumes that the believer in chapter 13 is a part of a local congregation. It assumes, and when I'm saying assumes, it rightly assumes that that congregation will have human leaders, men that would lead in those ancient congregations. And the, the Hebrews 13 rightly assumes that the people that are a part of that local assembly in that congregation would come up under that human authority as that human authority leads them. It's, it's not even explained why it is accepted as a fact in the kingdom. And then it says to those who are leaders that they are going to give an account for how they led. Because initially, when, when we sometimes, it just depending on how we're wired, when we hear the word of God calling us to submit to somebody, it can provoke a sense of insecurity fear, or loss of control. We typically, your flesh doesn't like to submit to anybody. Your flesh always wants to rule. And so that's why, because we, our flesh is crucified, we are dying that crucifixion death in the flesh. And so when our flesh rises up and says, I don't like the idea of submitting to a human leader, because Jeff, if you're not aware, in the past 50 years, these human church leaders have stolen money they have sexually abused people in the church. They have used their power to promote themselves. They have prostituted these churches into politics and removed Jesus from being central. These, these churches have been filled with division and carnality. These churches don't abide by the word of God. These churches don't stand for biblical morality to the point of what is biblical marriage, what is gender, what is biblical sexuality, what is God's position on the sanctity of life. These churches don't do that anymore, Jeff. They're just so jacked up. I don't want to put myself under any potential human leader that might end up being like one of those leaders. And so what we do is we excuse ourselves, we exempt ourselves, potentially, from obeying what God says. We actually throw the baby out with the bathwater. We, we, we draw a conclusion about the concept of the local church, not based on what the Word of God says, but based on how people have abused the concept of the local church. Let me give you this. You never judge the validity of a teaching based on how somebody has abused it. Because every valid teaching, every valid doctrine in the Bible has been abused by somebody. And so if we are entitled to throw out every teaching or every concept or every principle or every doctrine in Scripture because somebody abused it, then burn your Bible because it's all been abused. And including this issue of local church validity and do we actually have to follow our leaders and submit to them? 
because, you know, I've got the Holy Spirit. I've got a Bible. I'm going to do what I want to do. And so when people realize that that doesn't work in a local church because God never promotes a rebellious heart, what they do is they separate and they just say, I'm done with church. Now, I know that for some of you, this is like, Jeff, do people really do that? And I'm like, yeah, they do it a lot. Others of you are that person. And you didn't think about it when you were making your decision. You just got upset or you got hurt or you got offended or your church was legitimately jacked up in something it promoted or did or taught. And you just said, I'm done with it. And I'm just telling you here today, God is calling before Jesus returns to earth. God is calling his people back to community. And the community of the believers in the end of the age is going to intensify. It's not going to dilute. Part of the separation from legitimate Christians and posers is going to be those that are committed to the body of Christ because Jesus is committed to his bride. And if we're walking in Jesus, we're going to be committed to his bride. And so as the end of the age approaches, what you're going to see is the fires of intense resistance, opposition, and persecution are going to hit the church. And what it's going to do is it's going to purify it because the hangers on, the pseudo Christians in name only, those that are in it for what they can get out of it, those that have a form of godliness but deny the power, and part of the power is found in humbling and submitting yourself. And that's like, if you're not humble and you're not submissive to what God says and does, then you're not going to have the power of God. You're going to have a counterfeit power. And so at the end of the age, where all of this opposition comes against the church, what's going to happen is the true believers are going to cohere. They're going to cohere. There's going to be a cohesion and people are going to be drawing tightly together. It will look in some places, literally, like literal communes or communal living, where Christians will share land. They will have houses on the same property. There will come a time where church buildings on the corner are no longer legal. And so Christians, they will shut our church buildings down, and the church will go back to what is more akin to a grassroots first century first century expression of Christianity, first couple of centuries, where Christians meet together in non-sanctioned church buildings, but they meet in homes, they meet in buildings erected on private property. And so you're going to see that. And so the spirit of this age is telling people to flee the local church. And I'm telling you, you better not be listening to that. Part of the reason is, is that we all need leadership. We all need accountability. We need somebody that is qualified by God, filled with the spirit of God. They're, they're flawed. They're, they're not perfect. They will make mistakes. And if they're walking with Jesus, they'll own the mistakes they make and they'll repent if necessary and they'll make it right. Um, but there are God ordained, God raised up spirit called men and women that are leaders in our churches. And what the Lord says is this, Place your confidence in them as they follow Christ and submit to their authority. Like there are times in communal congregational life where you will disagree with something that your leader is saying, doing, or calling all people to say yes to. You're going to disagree with it. Now, it's not, I'm not talking about sinful stuff. I'm just talking about something that, you know, that's not my vibe. That's not my jam. I don't think that so. I'm more of this, y'all are more of that. But that God-ordained human leader saying, this is what the Lord's saying, and I need you to follow me because you're a part of this tribe. You're a part of this family. Now, a very common reaction nowadays is for that person to say, no, you just called me to do something I don't want to do. I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to be a part of this congregation. 
I'm gone. And they will say they had to follow God's leadership. Now, God always gets blamed for that, by the way. Well, the Lord's just leading me in a different direction. No, actually, what he was doing was leading you into deeper humility, into deeper Christ-likeness, to learn how to submit to authority. <laughs> I can just feel the pushback, man. People want to turn off their radio right now and quit listening to this and unplug their you know, AirPods. Um, sorry, it's in the Bible. I'm not grinding an ax. I'm just saying this has got to happen, man. We, we've all got to have authority. People, the question may come up, well, Jeff, you know, you're top of the food chain at your church. Who, who do you submit to? Well, I'm glad you asked. I, I'm accountable to several people. I'm accountable to eight elders at my church. I'm accountable to a couple of friends. I'm accountable personally to um, a husband and wife team, and I'll just not name them, but a husband and wife team that I have made myself accountable for or accountable to that they can evaluate my life, what comes out of my mouth, what I post on social media, what I preach, and they can talk to me about it if at any time they feel like they have a check in their spirit about it. So I'm not, I'm not telling you to be accountable to some church leader that's not accountable to anybody. All of us are accountable. And the reason for that is, is we all have blind spots. We all have weak spots. We all have places in our expression of Christianity that are not yet Christ-like. And so as the writer of Proverbs says, it's the need for iron hitting iron to make it more sharp. It's a blacksmith metaphor that the pounding of the iron hammer on the iron piece produces the sharpness eventually of a sword. But when iron hits iron, guess what happens? Sparks fly. And people are so spark averse. They just don't. I, I can't deal with sparks. I can't deal with anybody rubbing up on me and not making my life smooth. I don't like conflict. I don't like people telling me what to do. Okay. Let me just tell you, you got a heart of a rebel and rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. How's that for you? And you can pretty it up. You can wrap it up in all of your reasons. You can, you can cloak it in all of your Bible knowledge. But at the core of it, there is a thread of people in the kingdom that refuse to be a part of a local church because they don't want anybody speaking into their lives and they don't want accountability in anybody. And so what do they do? They sit. Now, this is not everybody. Some people legitimately can't go to a building. They're physically incapacitated or circumstantially constrained, and they can't go. But I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the people that sit and know good and well they could get off their backside, go down to the local church house, and be a part of an active community of believers glorifying the Lord together as they serve to advance his cause. They know they could do it. They just don't want to do it. Why? Because they can find somebody that speaks and preaches that they like, and he can be in Asia. He can be in Europe. He or she could be in California on the other side of the the, the country, or it could be even be within their own city. And they say, I like what this person says. So I'm going to, this is going to be my pastor. And let me just tell you, that person's not your pastor. That person may be a healthy stream of God's communication in your life, but you're not accountable to them. You, you, you're not submissive to their leadership. You're not joining in on what they're saying God is doing. You're a consumer. You're just a consumer. You're just taking what they release, consuming it, feeling awesome about yourself as you eat, but you're not serving anybody. That's the other part I've heard people tell me over the years. I don't need the local church. I got God. I got Jesus. I got my Bible. 
I don't need the local church. My standard answer, and it's a valid one to them, my standard response is, you don't need the local church? No, sir, I do not. Have you ever considered they need you? Have you ever stopped for one moment and considered that God's save, saving work in your life is so valuable that there are things he's placed inside of you that other people need to experience from you because you've got something to offer. And most of the time, that's the end of the conversation, or at least the productive part of the conversation. Guys, the local church has not been dismissed by God. The local church is a visible representation of the church universal. Always has been. Always will be. I mean, listen, last book of your Bible, the glorified risen son of God did what? He dictated to John the Revelator seven separate letters to seven separate local assemblies in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. He addressed them as separate bodies of believers in separate places. They're separate expressions. Jesus, by sending those letters, validates the concept of local assemblies meeting in different locales. And then if you want to throw this into it, you've got like the pastoral epistles, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, uh, excuse me, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. I, I taught those this year. Uh, actually, it was last year, fall semester at Caneo Ministry Training Center. And th those pastoral epistles are primarily instructions given from the Apostle Paul to Timothy and Titus, and they're guidelines and a lot of it is for how elders and deacons and those who are responsible for overseeing local assemblies need to operate. So, I mean, like it's, it's so clear in the Bible. How have we gotten so sophisticated that we've talked ourselves out of biblical truth? I mean, P Paul in that letter, one of the letters to Timothy instructs Timothy as a leader, how to specifically care for widows how to interact with young men in the assembly, older men in the assembly, young women and older women in the assembly. These were all his responsibilities as he pastored local assemblies. Like if that, if the local assembly doesn't mean anything anymore, go, be bold, at least be honest about it. Tear those pages out of your Bible. They mean nothing. If, if the local church is no longer a valid component of the kingdom, rip the pastoral epistles out of your Bible, tear out Revelation 2 and 3, tear them out. Or if you're too pious to tear them out, just never read them again. Well, here's, here's another one. What, what about what Paul wrote in like 1 Corinthians 16, 2 Corinthians 9, about how there are specific instructions for Christians to lay aside offerings that are to be collected on the first day of the week? What do we do with that? Like literally, what, what do we do? How do we pool our resources together for all, all individuals? Like that's a very practical sense. How are the widows? How are the orphans? How are the unreached nations? How are they taken care of by siloed? You know, let's say we got, we got 300 million Christians on planet Earth, 300 million silos. How, where's the collective work together? And by the way, you know, a lot of people won't go to church because they don't want to hear anything about the fact that they're supposed to give. God help you if you've not matured in your faith at this point to become a giver. You can have all the Bible knowledge of the world, but if, you, if your God is your wallet and your bank account and you don't give, you need to repent, man. Jesus is coming back. Like straight up, don't trust mammon. Give away as much of it as you can. <laughs> some of y'all, I'm glad some of y'all are still here. 
because I'm challenging the status quo and just pathetic expression and the, the empty excuses and the hollow reasons why people no longer go to church. It's just foolishness. I appreciate the fact some of you got church hurt. Jesus heals. You either believe it or you don't. Jesus heals. Well, Jeff, I'm afraid. Well, Jesus gives courage too. Well, Jeff, I'm just, I'm so discouraged. Well, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Well, Jeff, I mean, it's not that simple. No, it, it, it may be difficult to do, but it's not complicated. It, it's very simple in the sense of it's uncomplicated. It is by trusting God that you stay connected. What Multiple times, look at, do, do, do your own Bible study of the one another passages in scripture. We're given multiple commands, do this to one another. It's Christian to Christian. And one of the statements is made is, bear with one another. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a Greek verb that means put up with each other. Like we're going to stand and give an account to Jesus. And one of the things that will be in a flash evaluation, we're going to be evaluated is, hey, how well did you put up with that annoying set of people down at the church? How'd you do? Oh, you walked away? Oh, that's really sad because I never gave you permission to do that. Now, you might need to find a more suitable local assembly. But I'm talking about people that have given up on the whole reality, the biblical theological reality of the validity of the local church. And, you know, back in Hebrews, I, I gave you verse 17, but in Hebrews 13, um, 7, it, it literally, again, declares how church leaders, I read this earlier, how church leaders are going to give an account. Like the, the leader is accountable to God in the end. You'll never give an account for how poorly they might have led, but you will give an account for how you followed the ones that God put in spiritual authority over you. You're going to give an account. You, you run in your mouth about them. Every idle word, every idle word, you resisting them, uh, you're going to give an account for that. You opposing them, you slandering them, you backbiting, you're going to give an account. Like there is the biblical component that when God establishes leadership, you're to honor and obey that leadership as unto the Lord. And people just don't like that anymore. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Okay. Well, you figure out what you're going to do with your disobedience unto the Lord. That's why it's so important that we vet all spiritual leaders. And again, they're sinners. They're not going to be perfect. They're going to drop the ball. But when they sin, if it's a public sin, there's public repentance. And some of those sins may disqualify them from leadership. But I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the fact that we live in a generation where if people are not stroked and coddled, then they feel entitled, permitted, even encouraged by, uh, with the ability to walk away, to take their ball and go home. And I'm never going back. And that's not, that's not the Holy spirit. It isn't. It's a spirit for sure. It's not the Holy spirit because the Holy spirit's making you like Jesus and Jesus never gave up on his church. So Hebrews 13, seven tells the leaders, you're going to give an account. If you're a leader in the local church, you better sober up, bro. You're going to give an account for how you're leading people. I'm going to give an account for how I'm leading people. I'll give an account for this podcast. I'll give an account for whatever I'm preaching this week at the church at Winder. I'll give an account for how I led at the North Georgia Revival or, or the Caneo Ministry Training Center, how I led in my family. I'm going to give an account. That, that's enough to sober me up and say, God, help me. And then again, that Hebrews 13, 17 verse says, Christians, not only submit yourself to your leaders, but imitate their lifestyles as they follow Jesus. 
I mean, Hebrews 13 has those statements, you know, know who your leaders are, welcome them, greet them. Hebrews 13, 17, imitate them, follow them so that they may lead you joyfully. And then, you know, Hebrews 13, 24 just says, greet them, meaning be a welcoming spirit towards your leaders. Now, the local church is not all about the leader. And if it is, it's not a local church, it's a cult. But the local church has authority. And guys, our attitude towards that authority is very important as the great day of the Lord approaches. None of these things about leaders and followers and deacons and elders and widows and how to, how to treat young men, old men, young women, old women, how to collect offerings, none of it would have any relevancy at all in the kingdom if the concept of the local church is dead. And I would just ask you this. If you believe that the local church is no longer a valid component of kingdom living, of Christianity, tell me when God released us from being communal believers who gather. Tell us when that happened. And then show me in the Bible. Because if you can show me in the Bible anything, if you can prove it scripturally, I'll believe it. But I promise you this, don't waste your time. You will not find in the Bible anywhere that God has any at any point before the second coming um, taken down the validity of the local church. He's washing the local church. He's protecting the local church. He's prospering the local churches. He's blessing. He's establishing and calling leaders. He's using the local church. He's purifying, sanctifying the local churches. We're not done yet. And for every person that abandons the local church, they step out of the will of God in that area. No matter how they soothe their conscience, no matter how they cherry pick verses to support their decision, they're operating in self-preservation in some level. And self-preservation is the antithesis to what it means to be a Christian. Because Jesus said this, no, you've got to be willing to die. Take up your cross daily, follow me and die. Self-preservation is the opposite of the call of Christ on the disciple. Lots to think about in these days. Hope that you'll find a local church in your area. And I hope you'll be there this Sunday. God bless. We'll talk to you next time on Mavericks and Misfits. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits. If you were helped by what Jeff shared today, please take a moment to rate and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or Spotify. Your review helps us enlarge our digital footprint to reach more potential listeners every week. Also, please take advantage of the free written and video resources made available at transformingtruth.org. Join us again every Tuesday for a brand new episode of Mavericks and Misfits.